Hello and welcome to It's More Than Money. It's More Than Money has a focus to bring you inspiring stories from real people who strive to improve every day. People who aren't willing to settle for the status quo, they've shaken off any limiting beliefs they might have had and they've just gone after what they really want in life. We'll have all kinds of guests, we'll have business owners, entrepreneurs, masters of the mind, industry game changers and money experts who will all, through their own stories, provide invaluable insights into creating a life you never thought possible. All right. Welcome, James Patrick. Awesome to have you on. Thank you for being on. How are you? Guys, I'm so good. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation. And likewise with you, thank you. I believe it's about 5.30 in the afternoon there. We've covered off whether it's wine or dinner time, but for you, it is wine down with a coffee time. Yeah, I, I, I am such a fan of my afternoon coffee just to kind of <laughs> just to kind of like put an end to the day, have, have a delicious cup of coffee and just kind of think about what, what got done today and then what I really want to achieve. What's my intention going into tomorrow? Well, you've got a lot of cool how to's. So I really want, I want to jump into those pretty much straight away. But while I'll just give a, a if it's OK, we get a brief overview, overview from yourself around the corporate job that you're in as a journalist in marketing. But you left, you bailed on that and you went to pursue a career in photography. How did that all come about and give us a bit of insight there? You know, for the longest time, I tried to avoid a career in photography. And the reason I tried to avoid <laughs> it was, was exactly why you're laughing. It, it was like this, this whole idea that all I knew about photographers was they were, they were artists and artists starve. And I, that didn't sound appealing to me as a 19-year-old in college. So as much as I love photography, I thought this is not safe enough. I'll just do what's safe, which was whatever was right in front of me. And at the time in, in college, it was journalism. So I worked as a journalist in college. That's really what got me into photography via photojournalism. Uh, but upon graduation, I took what I thought was a safe job in marketing. And I spent the better part of a decade working in corporate marketing for a professional services company. But I'm glad I did that because in that time, I learned a lot about how to cultivate relationships, how to pursue work, the, the importance of being proactive versus reactive when it comes to business development. And after, like it was seven years I was at that company, uh, we started to go into the recession of 2008 and now we're into 2009 and I'm watching my company get demolished. I think our, our local office, we went from 130 employees or we're at 139 employees and then we went down to 35. So we lost over a hundred team members uh, through through the recession wow. that that hit us. And all of a sudden this jump in, how do you keep no up, go ahead? How do you keep up morale then? You don't. No, you don't. Yeah, it was it was it was so bleak because mm. it, it was such a trickle out of of layoffs that at any given moment anyone in the office thought am i going to be next versus you know had they done it all at once like hey we're gonna we're gonna cut let's say 75 jobs right away and the remaining 75 of us were just going to work and make this work but they just did five here two here three here ten there and it was this constant trickle over the course of over a year that just created this very depressing atmosphere mm. And that ideology of job security all of a sudden did not exist anymore. And I'm just thinking, well, I'm doing so good because I had my photo business on the side still. That's really ramping up and that's really doing well. What would be the worst thing that happened if I actually quit this quote unquote safe job and just did photography 
And I, I really just started tracking the logic in my head of what's the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is I fall flat on my face as a photographer. I go out of business. I get no clients, in which case I just have to get another job. And fortunately for safe where job. I was, yeah, another safe job. But fortunately for where I was at, I was being headhunted at the time. I was getting other job offers at the time. So I looked at that as well. That's the worst case scenario, which case I'm already in my worst case scenario right now. I'm living my worst case scenario this moment. So I guess the best option is to just leap and to try something else. So I walked away from the marketing job, walked into photography and it took off. And I ended up 2Xing my income in that first year, uh, 2X it again the following year. And since then have worked to just build other platforms and other programs or businesses to round out my portfolio as an entrepreneur. Yeah, right. And I think it, a little bit of an ironic phrase that we've picked up from yourself through different material that's floating around there on Google is that we are the artists of our own careers. Now, the ironic mm -hmm. part is that art means, what was it? What did you say earlier? No money or it means? The starving artist syndrome. Starving yeah. artist syndrome. But mm -hmm. you've used the phrase, you know, we are the artists of our own careers. So how, tell us about that shift and how that becomes something that you use. You know, so much of it is about intention. And this is something, once again, I'll just say, I'm so glad I took that time to work in a job where I learned about marketing, where I learned about sales, where I learned about client acquisition. The biggest issue I see, and this is across any, any, any business, across any platform, it is universal when it comes to entrepreneurs. So many of us want to be in a passive or a reactive posture. Um, and, and a perfect example is I'm going to set up my Instagram. And once I get enough Instagram followers, business will just come in. I'll build a website. And once I have a website, people just naturally find it on Google and business will come in. And what we're seeing is, is a lot of entrepreneurs are building these platforms or creating these social media platforms. And then the work's not coming in. And they're sitting there mystified to say, well, wait a second, I built the website, why aren't they coming in? Or I set up the platform or, or I've seen it as photographers, I take the best photos ever taken, why is no one hiring me? And the reality is, is we are not proactive, we're not focused on who we want to serve, how we want to serve them, and then going that extra step of connecting to those individuals to say, listen, I know your pain points, I know your wants, I can provide the solutions to your problems. Being proactive in our work, being proactive. So when I, when I write about like we're the artists of our own careers, we have the opportunity to create what we want within our careers, within our businesses, also within our lives. And it really requires three things. The first thing is it requires vision. You have to clearly see where you want to go without vision. You don't know where to point the direction. You're not going to end up where you want to go because you don't know where you want to go. Mm -hmm. So, to clearly identify, this is my focus, this is my goal. And we, we can do this in any element of our lives, in our, in our bodies, in our minds, in our relationships, in our business. Where do I want to go? And then from there, when you have a clear vision, then you can live with purpose. You can act intentionally. Your actions and your mindset are under your control. And you can fulfill that vision by pointing in that direction and working towards that direction. And when you have a vision, when you live with intention, you live with purpose, you leave behind that legacy. And that's what I talk about. I talk about we are the artists of our own careers. We have the opportunity to create what we want to see. That's wow. super cool. That's so powerful, isn't it? 
We are the artists. Of our own career. That's I really right. like that. There's mm. a really, really great explanation, some great insights, James. Thank you. And I wanted to expand on that when you say around uh, the vision, creating the vision and going after the vision. What I find and we find in our line of work is that the biggest challenge is people lack the belief. So they have this dream or they have this thought, which you could call a dream and you could call it a vision, but they generally shut themselves down first by, oh, I just don't believe it's possible. What I'll do, probably similar to yourself, is I'll just say, stay in this safe place. Mm-hmm. I'll stay where I am because it's secure and I won't dare to dream because potentially you know, there's that fear of failure or the disappointment with dreaming and not getting it. Is it, have you come across that yourself or have you seen that and how did you ever overcome it? Every it single overcome? day, <laughs> every single day. And this is a mis- misconception about entrepreneurs that successful entrepreneurs don't feel fear, that successful entrepreneurs have all the confidence in the world. And if only I had that confidence, if only yeah. I believed in myself like they do, I too would be unstoppable. And the funny thing is, is I I truly believe that fear is a lifetime companion of the entrepreneur. (laughs) It it is there, it is real, it is is palatable. And I've launched numerous businesses throughout my career, some of which have become successful, some of which have not. But at every stage, regardless of how much, it, it doesn't matter what my, what my bank account says, it doesn't matter how much experience I have or, or, or what publications are touting me, I feel the same fear today that I did when I was 19 years old trying to, trying to charge someone for my first launch. I feel the same fear. The difference is, is that entrepreneurs feel the fear and act anyway. They're not any less scared. They, they're not, they don't have any less of the imposter syndrome, that voice that's saying, who are you to do this? You don't have the right to this. You don't have enough experience to this. Someone's going to be upset that you did this. Someone's going to say, you don't have the right to do this. We still hear all the same thing. We just do it anyway. And the more we do it, the more we realize that our fear of the situation is always greater than the actual worst outcome of the situation. Oh, yeah. always, our fear of the situation is always worse than the outcome. We always over-catastrophize. We imagine such an epic ordeal, an epic problem. And more often than not, once we get there, pretty much what you're alluding to, once we get there, we go, oh, that wasn't so bad after all. I'll share a story of a, of a failure I had uh, about a year ago. Uh, I was launching a new vertical. And... It was a risk because the launch had nothing to do with my current target of clients. I was creating something, an entire new brand for an entire new audience. And I remember before it launched, I was nervous. I'm like, oh my God, I'm investing a lot into this. What if this doesn't work? And so once again, that, that little voice and my wife checked me on it. She said, well, then what will you do? I'm like, I don't know. What will I do? She said, you'll just make something else then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That is literally the worst thing that would happen. It doesn't work. And I just make something else. And spoiler, that one launch did not work. It didn't work. The audience was not mature enough. We did not have the right uh, resonance with that audience. Didn't work. We pivoted it into something else that does work now. So we just did something else. And that's a reframing that I remember hearing Les Brown say, which was, and his words during this, this presentation or this speech was pretty much, Oh, okay. Well, I'll just go do this then because that Mm -hmm. that one path didn't quite work out as planned or as the vision was. And literally like a ping pong, a pinball machine, you just bounce off and take a different direction and try something new. 
Yeah, and we've seen so much of that in this COVID-19, haven't we? A lot of businesses have pivoted into a direction that they've actually never thought of Mm -hmm. um, in their business and it's actually just blossomed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what what is it, James, that you're actually chasing? As someone that seems like you're in different businesses in different industries, what is it that you're chasing there? So, uh, you know, I'm glad you asked that because there's a common thread between everything that... I really am working towards, and that is to help entrepreneurs navigate their journey. And it, 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 that, that plays into my work as a photographer. I don't take photos of anyone and I don't take photos of anything. I photograph in a very specific industry. Most of my work is in the health and fitness space. And I photograph aspiring entrepreneurs, aspiring athletes, aspiring business owners to give them the visual assets that can properly market their brand, that can properly identify who they are, what they do, and why they need to be noticed. And going a step further in my coaching, in my events, in my membership, in my, in my digital programs, all of it, in my mastermind, all of it is curated to help that entrepreneur get from a place of fear, a place of scarcity, a place of un- uncertainty and the unknown to a place of confidence, a place of control, a place of mastery, and a place where they are getting the momentum to get where they want in their business. So there's more than photography, clearly. Yep. Yeah. And that's and and it that was done honestly organically, which is, you know, I had I had developed a career as a photographer, mostly in the health and fitness industry, shooting a lot for magazines. And in my career as a photographer, I've shot more than five hundred covers, mostly in health and fitness. But I noticed something. And what I noticed was so many of the individuals I was working with, they would hire me to curate their visual assets or the visual components of their brand so they can, they can earn media to promote their brands and promote their businesses. And I developed a very successful track record of helping my clients earn leading media features, getting published in, in top magazines. And despite that, I'd, I'd be helping them garner all this great media Many of them had no idea what to do with the attention once they got it. Mm. Once again, it was, that, it was that reactive or passive syndrome of people will just, I guess, give me money. Uh, and, uh, you know, one example was we had this one client came to us, said, you know, I would like to position myself to magazines. And they had, they had the right brand. They had the right story. Everything was working in their favor. We did a shoot together. And this individual landed not one, not two, but three major magazine covers off that single photo shoot. By the next year, they were out of business because they had no clue what to do with all the attention, what to do with that awareness, what to do with all the leads. They did not know how to talk to those leads, how to convert those leads into customers, how to retain those customers, and how to scale their business. And I said, that can't happen anymore. There's no way that can happen. So I look back in my experience in marketing, business development, sales, and said, Let's start having these conversations. Let's start teaching people how to tell their story. Let's start teaching individuals how to target their clients, how to have conversations that onboard their clients so that they're now growing their brand, that they're now getting to income, that they're growing that self-reliance and that confidence to then take it to that next level and the next level. And that, that inspired so many of the different elements that my team and I have created, but it all centers around giving opportunity to entrepreneurs to scale. And how do you help do that? What's uh, maybe one or two primary focuses that you have, particularly with a word that stood out for me then is confidence, which Mm -hmm. ties into what we were talking about earlier about belief. 
they yep. had this vision, they had this dream, but who would think that a few photos would make their business flourish and go through the roof with contact and activity? And then all of a sudden they're in this space of like, holy cow, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. so how do you part of, yeah, part of it starts with that vision. If we can clearly articulate where we want to go, if I, can, if I can get a client to tell me, this is where I want to be in my business, this is the type of clients I want to have, this is the income I want to see coming into my household, if that's where I know they want to be, and I know they want to be there in six months or a year, I can sit down, I can say, this is the path to get there. This is your benchmarks of where you need to be every month. This is how many sales you need to make in your current service offerings. Or this is an offering you need to create to accelerate your journey there. And once we put it all down on paper, all of a sudden, this concept, which seems so big and so grand and so mystifying, has been broken down to this is what you need to do this month. Yeah. This is what you need to do next month. But don't worry about next month until you finish this month. And then this is what you need to do in three months. Uh, yeah, that goes back to the um, bullet journaling that we spoke about, James, um, mm -hmm. off the podcast just before we, we started today. So for our listeners, um, would you be able to explain what the bullet, um, what is it? Bullet, bullet journaling. Bullet, yeah, that's it. Bullet journaling um, yeah. is. So it, not something I created, but something that I, I practice, I love it, and I've modified it to, to my own to my own needs and how I track my goals and how I track the progress to achieve those goals. Because listen, we all run into this thing where every year we set really big goals for ourselves for the year. And then about January 15th rolls around and we've completely either forgotten our goals or abandoned our goals. Okay. Because the problem with goals are we set really big, audacious, scary goals, but then we've never broken them down into the bits that we need to in order to make them manageable and achievable. Yeah. So what, I, what I've been doing, I've been doing this for about 10 years, is I've been every year, I start my year off by tracking out my goals for the entire year. And what I will do is I will categorize my goals into the major components of my life. So I'll give an example. Photography is a category. Yeah. Uh, public speaking is a category. Uh, my podcast is a category. I also have a category for personal health and wellness, for personal development. These are categories. Under each category, I'll have specific goals. Now, they have to be specific because I have to measure them. So, here's an example of a specific goal. In my photography business, in 2020, I want to photograph 30 magazine covers. Well, that is a specific and a measurable goal, okay? Uh, in my uh, podcast, uh, category. I want to have over 200 five-star reviews of my podcast and I want to get up to 10,000 downloads per month on my podcast. Okay. That is a, a measurable goal. So under each, I have measurable goals. Now I then break the goals to due dates. So some due dates are the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. Some due dates are August 1st or, or April 1st. So I can break due dates for every goal. Now, I can go into this concept of bullet journaling, bringing in my annual goals. The first thing I do when I start my year is I break out my quarter. So Q1, January 1st to the end of March. Q1, what are all the goals that apply to Q1? Goals that need to be completed in Q1 and goals that just need to have work done in Q1 so I can complete them in the second, third, or fourth quarter. Okay. And I literally write all that down on a big piece of paper. Then everything gets those due dates to it. Now I can plan out my month of January. In the month of January, 
just look at this big list of everything I needed to do in the first quarter. What needs to happen in January? And I just write it all out in this journal, piece by piece, line by line. This needs to happen in the month of January. Then from there, I then turn the page. I'm like, okay, first week of January. What needs to happen in the first week of January that I'm pulling from this month-long list? So if I were to just break this down into the month of June, I, have my, I actually have my bullet journal right in front of me. So <laughs> the month of June, if, if I were to look at the month of June, I'd broken out, I have about uh, 24, 25 things that I have to do in the month of June in order to either finish completely or to, to move some of my big goals along because we have to chunk out our big goals. So it could be something as, as simple as, uh, you know what, in the month of June, I have to make four different calls to f- magazine photo editors or art directors, okay? And then the due date is June 30th. I have to finish all the graphics for our upcoming Summer Summit event by uh, June 3rd, which, okay, so that's already been done. Uh, so all these things are listed out. So then when I go into my week, I then will list out, okay, this week from June 1st to June 7th, what are all the things that need to get done in this week? And all those get listed on in the next page. Then every day I give it its own page. Okay, looking at my week, what are the things from this week that need to happen today? So every day my goal is to break down the, the, the bits that I need to do to move forward on the big goals. And this is the thing about goal achievement, which is when the goal is too big, when it's not broken down, we never see the progress. But if you break down the progress to the work that needs to be done on a daily basis, and this, this does not even take as long as it, as it does to explain it. That's what's so great about this. (laughs) I spend five minutes in the morning setting up my journal for the day, five minutes. And then I know everything I need to do that day. That's a really good point you make, James, because as you're chatting, it's, it's sounding like a, a big task when you say, go for the year goals, break it down to the quarter, break it down to the week. And as you're sort of talking, like you, you hit the nail on the head, you said, you know, me explaining it actually takes longer to then to actually do it. Because we all have these goals and thoughts in our heads all the time. We're running through all the time. We've got a goal, and I know it doesn't sound like much of a goal, but I need to get to the grocery store. I need to get fuel. I need to get to work. I need to do this and I need to do that. We're setting these tiny little goals all the time every day of the week, which is often probably pulling us away from what really matters. Mm-hmm. So how do you, with time, and, and one of the biggest, uh, biggest struggles with many people in life is finding the time. How do you prioritize the goals which I imagine are uh, creating the best life that you want? How do you prioritize mm. those over getting pulled in different directions to the have-tos or the maybes? That is such an amazing, amazing question. And I think, I think priority comes with, there's no right or wrong answer in what one chooses to prioritize. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that over time, I've learned that certain things don't mean as much to me as I used to think they did. Is that when after it, you get them on paper, you sort of start to realize, okay, I can cross that one off or? Uh, you, no, it's more so from an emotional standpoint. Like yeah. after you've achieved certain things, you realize that maybe it was a hollow goal. Yeah, maybe okay. there was no, no, no meat behind it. There was no reason behind it. So yeah. one of the things that I feel is important when it comes to goal setting is to have a reason why you need to achieve that goal. Let's look at uh, uh, financial goals. I want to, in my business, I, you know, I'll have an entrepreneur say, I want to make $100,000 this year. I say, okay, why? I don't know, because it sounds cool. <laughs> well, 
okay, you're, you, you might hit it, you might not, but if whether or not you hit it, you will not feel fulfilled when you hit it. I guarantee that. And I can tell you that from personal experience because that's exactly what happened to me. When I set financial goals without a reason behind the goals, if I hit that goal, all I did was I just moved the finish line further down the road. Because there was no, there was no achievement to it. It was just like, well, that was a hollow goal. I, I had yeah. no reason for that goal. I guess I'll just move it further down. Maybe if I move that goal further down, maybe if it's 200,000, I'll feel, I'll feel accomplished. Yeah, nope. Yeah. I'll just move it again and I'll move it again. I'll move it again. I'll move it again. It has to be an emotional component to it. Correct. And that yeah. emotional component will accelerate your desire to achieve that yeah. goal. Okay. That's the really great thing. So when it comes to prioritization, I used to be under, under the belief that my business always had to come first. Okay. So if you were to break down my goals, it, it basically became uh, work, 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 mm. work, 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 work. And maybe <laughs> if there was time for, yeah, maybe <laughs> if there was time for anything else, maybe I would go to the gym, but here's, here's the reality of where I put myself. Uh, I'm, I'm, at the time, I'm in my late 20s, and uh, my doctor is warning me, James, you are not sleeping. Your blood pressure is becoming a problem. You may have to be on blood pressure medication. Your blood sugar is a problem. You have diabetes in your family. You are overweight. You are unhealthy. This is not good, okay? Especially that age, yeah. Yes, yes. And I'm working 20 hours a day at this point, thinking, yeah. thinking that this is the hustle that entrepreneurs need to do. Actually, good point there. That's a huge, mm, huge it thing. Is. It's all like, the, and if you go searching anywhere through Google, through life coaches, through career coaches, success coaches, it's a very, very common theme about the hustle. But mm-hmm. I think it's important that the hustle needs to be very, very closely aligned with their priorities and those priorities have some emotional component to it and they mean something to you. So not just hustling for the sake of hustling and feeling busy. Like it's hustling with intention and, and, yeah. and within the right time frame. Yeah. Because you know, we're, we're, we're trained to work ourselves into oblivion yeah. and what that that's what happens is you yeah. become unhealthy. You become sick. I was getting sick all the time. Mm-hmm. I was waking up tired. I never had energy and it's the the best analogy I can have was I was doing a trail run last year. Uh, this was actually literally a year ago, and I came across this. I was on this summit uh, at this trailhead, and I'm looking down into the valley below, and I see this strong saguaro cactus, which we have lots of them here in the Sonoran Desert. The strong saguaro cactus, and I'm like, wow, that's it's really it's big. It looks healthy, and and I'm wondering if the trail runs alongside of it so I can see the whole thing. So I continue running down the trail, and I come up to it, and I see now the full cactus because the bottom third of it was hidden from rocks from my, my vantage point up on top of the summit. Now that I can see the whole cactus, I see that the bottom of it is rotted out to the skeleton. It's rotted out to the skeleton, and this cactus may only last another year before those, those ribs in the skeleton crack and it falls over because the foundation cannot sustain it. And yeah. to me, that was my life 10 years ago. And it worked in this order. My, I was not honoring my physical body. I was overweight. My blood pressure was bad. My blood sugar was dangerous. I was yeah. not eating well. I was not exercising. I was not taking care of myself. So, okay, I build this great business, but what if I don't live long enough to actually reap the benefits? <laughs> number, two, purpose, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, number two was my mind. 
I was not nourishing my mind 10 years ago. Mm. I was not meditating. I was not journaling. Why? Because I'm too busy to do that stuff. Okay, you always just think, well, once I'm successful enough, then there'll be time. No, not how it works. And if I don't honor my mind, I build this great business, but I'm too stressed to ever enjoy life. Mm. What's the point? Number three is relationships. I build this great business, but I am completely and utterly alone. Or if I do meet someone and I focus all my time on this business, well, what are the chances my wife is ever going to stay with me? Yeah. Right? So it became a system of this was this cactus. It was this strong appearance of a cactus built on this faulty foundation. That was me in my 20s, building this strong business on top of a very weak physical body, a very weak mind, and, and a being that had no relationships. So I flipped that upside down. And my priority, to, to, to get to your question of how I prioritize goals, number one, first and foremost, I honor my physical body. Because if I'm not honoring my physical body, I will not be strong enough to show up in other areas of my life. So I have little goals that I achieve every day. So for example, every day, seven days a week, I have a sweat goal. 20 minutes of sweat. <laughs> That's so five, cool. Yeah, five days out of seven, I end up working out for an hour, 90 minutes, or sometimes two hours, but it's a minimum of 20 minutes, okay? And maybe that's just a bike ride around my neighborhood. Maybe that's going for a run. You know, everyone has 20 minutes to sweat. Number two in body is I nourish my body. So I have to make it an easy goal because if they're easy goals, you can achieve them. So every day I have a green juice, every day. Okay. I either put spinach in my, in my protein shake, or I just uh, do a greens powder, or I just pick up a, a low sugar green juice. Okay. So that's, that's my nourishment goal. And here's the thing, by doing any of these things, doing, none of these things actually change your life, but the act of doing these things will make you make better decisions overall. Uh, now I shift to my mind. Every single day, I meditate and I journal every single day. Then I switch to relationships. In relationships, my goals are, one, I have to express gratitude to someone in my life. This could be letting my wife know that I love her or that I appreciate the fact that she's making dinner right now or that I send a text message to my sister to, to thank her so much for, for a project she was working on for me. Okay, I express gratitude. Yeah. Second is I either express gratitude to a second person or I introduce myself to someone new, which is super easy because I'm always introducing myself to potential prospects, okay? Yeah. So every day I do those two things. And then lastly is business. And when it comes to business, I have two metrics that I measure every day. I learn every day. And learning is I read or I listen to podcasts that educate me or I, I watch an educational YouTube video. But every day I try to learn something and then every day I teach something. Those are my eight daily non-negotiable habits. And I have a page in my journal every day that I just check off those little boxes. So if I were to look at my journal right now, uh, the only box that I have uh, yet to check off is learn because tonight I'm going to be reading my book. There you go. That's awesome, awesome, awesome tips. And I think very, very clear and very much aligns with your philosophy and your strategy in life to break it down into simple steps. And what you've just told us there, I think is the gold nugget 
that anyone could take out of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and we find that all the time, don't we, Kai, with financial planning clients. Like they'll, they come um, to us, we do this amazing financial plan and they forget the journey, don't they? So in mm. our business, we always celebrate those small wins. So every three months, we celebrate those wins with our clients, whether it's lunch, whether it's flowers, whether it's just a conversation. Um, we celebrate those small wins because like you said, they are the important things to to reach their goal and you can't forget the journey. Mm. And sometimes those so small true. wins are, are, are bigger than the goal themselves. Do you know what I mean? So um, with the financial plan, we, we do that, don't we? We live by that. We, we, we yeah, there's, teach there's it. there's emotional attachment there. Like mm. the, the goals that are being set that create or the, the financial plan is built off, they mean something to these people. Like we don't have the conversation of, What's your goal? Oh, you would like a holiday, James. Well, everyone wants a holiday, but what actually means something to that individual sitting with? And it could be something like we want to go to Holland because that's my family history. I want to go see where my history, like hundreds of years of family history. Mm. So that's a meaningful holiday that we then build into the financial plan, not just holiday. Everyone's got a mm. holiday goal. So it's very important, that emotional attachment. Mm. Hands celebrating down, those small and wins. And celebrating the achievement when they ha- make them happen. And I love that you ask clients to take that next step in, in really thinking and, and, and processing the why behind what you do. Because when you, when you attach that why behind it, it it's, like, it's like rocket fuel. You are going to propel your momentum so aggressively. And the, what you can achieve with that, it literally, and, and this is the other thing, it's important to look back on what you achieve because we are so good at forgetting how amazing we are and the fact that all the time we do the impossible. Like I look at like, you know, uh, things I've done in my business. I'm like, there was a time in my life I thought that would have been impossible. I look at uh, my marriage or the house I live in or the life I've cultivated. There was a time in my life I thought all these things were impossible. But once you've set the vision to them, and you work with intention, they become possible, then you achieve them, but then you have to remind yourself, oh yeah, I did the impossible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We do forget that, don't oh, we? Oh yeah, and I think part of the, the um, being enough syndrome kicks in. So the, the constant, and I guess part of the question earlier to yourself, James, is part of us, what you could see is chasing, we're constantly chasing, like you said before, you get to that goal and you know, oh, okay, let's go on to the next one because it just doesn't feel so good or doesn't feel like we thought it would when we got there when you were talking about revenue goals, for example. So with you, have you experienced or have you seen through any of your entrepreneurial work with others about differentiating between feeling like they are enough as they are right now versus only feeling enough if they're accomplishing? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this this comes up a lot, and I can I can give uh, an, a, a personal example. Like when I when I'll set a goal, let's just say a physical goal. Uh, if I were to set a physical goal of you know what I want to jump on the scale, and I want that scale to say uh, one eighty because I haven't been one eighty since I was in college, <laughs> and then and then I get to that moment, I'm like all right, well, I'm just really hungry. So that's, that's the only thing I'm really thinking right now. Uh, but if I were to do this instead, now I say, listen, uh, I want to be active seven days a week. And I want to get in the best shape of my life in my, in my late thirties. And why? Well, this is why my wife and I, we want to start a family soon. And 
being active in my children's lives is very important to me because my father was always too tired or too stressed or too absent because he was working all the time to ever be active. So uh, like my childhood was really spent with my uncle who was much younger, had more energy, was more into sports, right? So I don't want that for my family. I want to be the person that my kids can turn to, to say, let's go out, let's do something active. And that is so important to me that that is what gets me up to go for runs or to go for bike rides or, or to lift, even when I don't feel like it. It sounds like you might've imitated your dad's way of living in your earlier twenties and you ended up becoming sick. We follow what we literally what has been modeled for us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two more concepts I'd really like to dig into if that's all right. The uh, first one is overcoming the three types of imposter syndrome. That's got me really curious. What's that about? So imposter syndrome, it's that voice in the back of your head, and we've brought it up, that says you don't deserve to do this. So deserve is one. You're not good enough to do this. So your qualifications, right? And then the third one is you don't have the right to do this. Okay. And it's very good. So it's, it's, I don't deserve to do this. Listen, if you've set your sights on it, you deserve to do it. End of discussion. You are worthy of whatever goal that you choose to do. And I find nothing more aggravating, nothing more offensive, nothing more infuriating than someone trying to tell someone else that they don't deserve to do the goal that they've set their sights on. It, to me, it is, it is more offensive than like you would never, if you have bad breath, you'd never want to breathe bad (laughs) breath on someone. You should never breathe yeah. bad energy on someone. That's a very good way for that one. <laughs> You've nabbed that, James. All right, we're just going to close off the episode now. I don't think that tops it. Uh, but but we do it all the time. That's the thing. We're so self-conscious about our breath, but we're not self-conscious about our energy. And I see it all. The, I literally, I had one of my clients call me this week in tears, in tears. She got an amazing opportunity, an amazing opportunity to collaborate with an international brand. She took the opportunity. It's good for her. It's good for her business. And she's on cloud nine. And then someone calls her who's jealous that she got this opportunity in lieu of them and called her just to break her down and say, I'm disappointing you for taking this opportunity. Why didn't you think of anyone else but yourself? That right there is what I'm talking about when I talk about like just pushing your bad energy and your lack of of self-worth on someone else and holding someone else down. It is, it is to me, nothing could be more offensive. Okay. So that's, that's part of it. We need to be lifting each other up. We need to be celebrating each other's success. You have two options. You can look at another success as your own limitation, meaning you can't succeed, or you can look at like I do someone else's success, meaning there's more opportunity for you to succeed now. That's how I see it. When someone does really great, it betters an entire industry. And that's what we need to celebrate. So that, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it sounds like in listening to your story today so far and having a, doing a little bit of research prior that it's a really a a, a giving mentality. If you give your best, if you serve, if you're kind, yep. Then Mm. then it comes back. Yep. The second thing was that uh, I don't have the experience or I don't have the education or I don't have the background. I don't have the credentials. 
Okay. And it's this assumption that we have to make everything perfect. The truth is Mm. our clients aren't asking for perfection from their service providers. What they're asking for is the person who's one step ahead of them, who can help them achieve that one step. So if you are one step ahead of where someone needs to be and you know what that step is, it's incumbent upon you to teach them that step. Yeah. And when we'll host, you know, I mean, well, before the quarantine, we would host these big, large in-person events. And the message we wanted everyone to know is that it doesn't matter whether you're standing on stage presenting or whether you're sitting in the seats learning, you are one step away from anyone else in that arena. One step away. Okay. Even the presenter on stage is one step away from you. And it's their job to teach you that one step. And then it's your job to find the person in the audience who's one step behind you and you teach that, them that one step, okay? You have the ability to do that. You do not need a laundry list of credentials. You do not need this alphabet soup behind your name of certification. Well, I mean, some, <laughs> so, some industries excluded. Yeah, everyone's capable. And, and then the third, yeah, yeah uh, the third is that uh, it, it centers around, well, who am I to do this? I don't have the right to do this. I might upset someone if I do this. I might step on toes if I do that. And it's very similar to the first one, but it still falls into the same realm of if this is what you are heart-centered on, if this is the perfect combination of your passions, of your, of your talents, so the intersection of your passions and your talents with what the world needs, this is your mission statement. And just let's, let's expand upon that. Like think about all the things that you love to do, all the passions you have, okay? And there, there's a lot that fills that, that mm. ecosystem. And then all the things you're good at doing that you have skills at or talents at. Now you see where those two overlap and you realize that there are things you'd love to do that you're not good at and things that you're really good at doing that you don't love, right? But you get to see where they overlap. You love it and you're good at it, right? Yeah. Then you ask the third question, what do people around me need? And when you find the intersection between your passions, your talents, and what people around you need, that becomes your mission. I like that one too. Mm. So the intersection of your passion, what you're good at, mm-hmm. and what people what the world need, needs. What the world mm-hmm. needs. Okay, yeah, that's a really good one too. We got a lot of gold nuggets out of James today. This Absolutely. is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. This is well, really you guys good. are amazing. I'm, I'm so glad to be talking to you guys. All right. Now, we do have a lot of things we'd like to dig into. We are, we are though, conscious of uh, time, and we would love to have you back on if that's possible. So we I would so welcome that. More detail. <laughs> this yeah. has been yes. so good. Yeah. So, mate, what we want to do, is, that's an Australian term, mate. <laughs> thank you, mate. So if we, if we yeah. I, I, I have a few, uh, I have a few Australian uh, clients I work with and uh, one, one of which uh, uh, is the uh, head of a magazine out in Melbourne and uh, one of my favorite human beings, she, we, we brought her out to the States a couple times to work on some projects here uh, and she keeps, she keeps teasing me saying she's going to bring me out there so I can do some work out there uh, and I, I can't wait to go out there. I, I would love to be there. Yes. You've got so much to share. Like everything ah. you're saying, I just want to pull apart and explore a bit further but just a little bit limited by time so yeah we definitely want to have you on again that'd be awesome oh i would i would sincerely appreciate the opportunity i appreciate you guys so much for what you're doing oh thank you you. thank you and i want to finish up with some uh some fun stuff which is called our fast five we need 
an impulsive decision, an <laughs> impulsive response. We don't need well thought out responses here. This is okay. So first, first question, your biggest influence, and it doesn't have to be a person. It could be anything that's your biggest influence mm-hmm. in life. Uh, it, so the, the first thing that comes to mind, I had a professor in college and uh, he owned a newspaper. So I had met him both uh, as a student and working for the newspaper he owned. And I started with him as a reporter. Uh, but maybe he didn't like my writing because he was the person that, that pushed me into the photo department. So even though I, I, I had, I, I was taking photos, it wasn't an interest of mine. He really pushed me into photography and I'm forever grateful to him for that. Awesome. Okay. What's the weirdest thing you're afraid of, James? Um, Oh, weirdest thing. I mean, the first thing that came to mind was I was watching a documentary on sharks this morning. Uh, you know, but that's not weird. That's pretty common. Uh, oh, um, you know what? I, I get really nervous about uh, being in big crowds if only if there is a roof, meaning if I'm in an oh. auditorium or if I'm in a, a covered stadium, I get really nervous in big crowds. But if there's no roof and I can see <laughs> the sky, I, for some reason, I feel a lot better. Right. So if you come to Australia and you're doing some sort of gig here, it has to be in an open roof stadium. Yeah. Well, I, I've, done, I've, done enough, I've done enough conferences. I, 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 can, I can handle it. <laughs> All right. And if you could purely for the experience of it, who would you swap lives with for a day? Swap like do they do they have to be alive or can no. can I go back in time here a yep, little bit? Yeah, for sure. Okay, I've always been fascinated by the life of Hunter S. Thompson, Doctor Hunter S. Thompson, author of uh, innumerable books, including uh, Hell's Angels and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, one of my one of my early uh, a- admirations as as a young journalist and how he chose to tell stories uh, and really leverage storytelling in his in his journalism as a way to get across his, his points. But the man lives such a amazing, amazing life. Uh, and I, it was, he was one of those people I always hoped to meet one day, but unfortunately he passed before I could. Oh, right. That is interesting. And last but not least, if you had all the money in the world, what would you be doing with your time? I, you know, I'd be writing books. There you go. Actually, yeah. I do have one more. I've only done four, but yeah, writing books. Okay. What sort of books? Uh, so, I would honestly, uh, I've, I've written business books, but when I was a kid, my favorite, my favorite toy, not really a toy, but my favorite possession was uh, my father gave me an old typewriter and I used to write these like mini scary novellas uh, about ghosts or, or oh. monsters. And, and I was so obsessed with, with being the next Stephen King. So I would try my <laughs> hand at, at, uh, at writing some fiction. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. That could be part of, that could be a blend between your journaling and that gentleman, that other author you were talking mm-hmm. about who turned his journaling into stories. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is definitely the last one of the fast five. Do you feel that you're living your purpose? I do. And it's awesome. yeah, honestly like I, with the fact I wake up, the fact that I wake up every day, I feel there's a reason behind that. And we need to honor that reason. And, and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll just say this. One of the things I, I do every day in, in my journal is I write my, my why for the day. This is my okay. reason and my purpose for this day in this time. And I think it's so important to, to set that, that intention for, for what you want to do. Yes, I believe I'm living my purpose. And I love that question. 
I'll just keep going for ages. You've got so you've much said, gold, you've James. You've said awesome so much <laughs> yeah. on this, this podcast. It's one of my favourite you... words, but I don't throw it out everywhere. <laughs> if you're having an average dinner, it's not awesome. So I don't use it there. <laughs> no, as I said, it, it really, there's things firing off in my brain all the time as you're talking. There's things I want to dig into and ask. So yeah, we'd love to have you back on. Oh, I would, I would welcome that opportunity. And, and I just have to edify you guys again. It is so important for individuals to be doing what you're doing, which is creating a platform to share these stories yeah. and to share these experiences because your listeners get to learn from so many amazing guests that you have on and, and also learn from you guys as hosts, as the leaders of these conversations. And it gives people, honestly, it gives people the permission to take a step that they might not thought they had the permission to take before. Yeah. Thank you so much, James. Um, we have absolutely loved having you on It's More Than Money. Please come back and, yeah. How do we get in touch with you? If someone mm. wants to find you, you've got a podcast called Beyond the Image. Yep, podcast. yep. So my podcast is Beyond the Image. Uh, my website, super simple, is jamespatrick.com. And my Instagram handle is jpatrickphoto. Great. I, went, I was about to say awesome. I thought I'd change. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd come up with a new one. Okay, that's great, James. Thank you again for your time. Uh, we really appreciate you being on and we look forward to booking you in and having you on again on It's More Than Money. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you, James. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to It's More Than Money. This podcast has been recorded and produced at Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Before we go, don't forget to click on the subscribe button for this podcast and wherever you listen to it, give it a rating as well. If you'd like to find out more, you can always go to our website, parentfg.com, or you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Please leave a suggestion for a future topic if you wish. By the way, we'd love to hear from you, so let us know your thoughts. We'll have another episode soon. Thanks for listening to It's More Than Money. Take care. We'll catch you next time.